M-U-G-G-L-E-C-A-S-T, March 12th, 2006, episode 30. GoDaddy hosting plans are now more powerful than ever. Best of all, plans start at just $3.95 per month. And no matter what plan you choose, your site receives 24-7 maintenance and protection in the GoDaddy.com world-class data center. I recommend you use them for your upcoming website or podcast, because as a MuggleCast listener, enter the code MUGGLE, that's M-U-G-G-L-E, when you check out and save an additional 10% on any order. Get your piece of the internet today at GoDaddy.com. And don't forget, go to MuggleCast.com to purchase your very own MuggleCast t-shirts. Just click on store at the top. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the show. I'm Andrew Sims. I am Ben Shane. I'm Kevin Steck. I'm Laura Thompson. And I'm Micah Tannenbaum. And this is the show where we bring you the latest in Harry Potter news, theories, discussions, gossip. I don't even... Bottle... (laughs) Toilet paper. <laughs> whatever whatever you can imagine related to Harry Potter, it paper is towels. in this show. Well, almost everything. We're getting there. We're making our way till we can expand everything. Uh, <laughs> what am I supposed to say now? He's a little bit out of, out of touch with reality, people. <laughs> Notice the verbal pauses. Forget how we intro. I need um, like a teleprompter. <laughs> Before we go anywhere else, first let's check in with Mike Tan for the past week's top Harry Potter news stories. All right, Andrew, Warner Brothers announced Wednesday that in its first 24 hours of being on store shelves, the Goblet of Fire DVD sold nearly 5 million copies. On this impressive accomplishment, President of Warner Home Video Ron Sanders had this to say. We are extremely pleased with the out-of-the-gate success of the DVD release of Goblet of Fire. We knew fans really connected with this installment in the Harry Potter series, and that continued loyalty to the franchise has carried over to these phenomenal DVD sales figures. The DVD was released in Canada and the U.S. on Tuesday. Feedback has been strong as Entertainment Weekly gave it a B-plus rating and Ace Magazine gave it a very positive review. Speaking of Goblet of Fire, Warner Brothers released its final episode of the Goblet of Fire podcast. They wrapped things up with a small interview with the cast and included another clip from the Goblet of Fire DVD. Forbes has published their annual list of the richest people in the world and they have ranked J.K. Rowling at number 746 with an estimated net worth of $1 billion. A passage from the write-up said, Rowling sold 60 million books, referring to Half-Blood Prince, worldwide last year, bringing the tally to 310 million copies of Harry Potter books sold. The movie, referring to Goblet of Fire, pulled in 287 million in the U.S., the highest-grossing film in the series after the debut film, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. In addition to writing Book 7, Joe took the time to do some major changes on her website. There are plenty of new puzzles to solve. All the secrets we've heard of that have been verified to work can now be found on our updated jkrowling.com info section. The interview J.K. Rowling did with TVR while visiting Romania earlier this year, along with coverage of the trip, was aired on TVR Thursday night in Romania, which was roughly 4 p.m. here on the East Coast. Keep checking back to MuggleNet.com as we try and get video of this event. A new member of MuggleNet's network of sites is IvanaLynchFans.com. This site will be your one-stop place for news, pics, bios, interviews, and more on the actress who's set to play Luna Lovegood in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. A few weeks ago, the American book publisher Scholastic introduced a new addition to the Fun Stuff section with special downloads for each Potter book. Only Sorcerer's Stone content was available when it first opened, but yesterday they introduced the Chamber of Secrets area. Sections for the other four books will be available in the coming weeks. Kids television station Nickelodeon has commenced voting for its annual Kids' Choice Awards. Goblet of Fire is up for favorite movie, and the entire series is up for favorite book. The Kids' Choice Awards will be aired live from Los Angeles on April 1st. Speaking of awards, Goblet of Fire picked up Best Movie and Rafe Fiennes won Vilest Villain when the 2006 AOL Movie Phone Movie Goer Awards were revealed on February 28th. 
That's all the news for this March 12, 2006, episode 30 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show. All right, thank you, Micah. Uh, first of all, we owe, we owe everyone a little apology for not showing up last week. It was all Andrew's fault. It was just fault. one of those weeks. It wasn't Andrew's fault. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yes, it, it was. It was just one of those weeks. We, uh, sorry, I yeah, yeah, he had to go week. to a tutor it, for his uh, pre-algebra homework. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm he an can't algebra count. two, Ben. I'm an algebra two. <laughs> Andrew can't count. Uh, we. <laughs> It was just one of those weeks where we couldn't all get together. The good news is that we're not going to be uh, skipping any more weeks because I refuse to let Pottercast get an episode higher than us. That will not be actually, happening. So one week. What's that? One week will actually probably do two episodes, so we won't. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah. You know, we could we always knock them off. You know, knock them off what? We could crash one of their computers, make it. Oh right. No, that'd be a good idea. I don't know, they started like four weeks after us, but. Somehow they're still, they're they're right on our tail now, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure we only skipped two weeks. I'm not sure that how that happened. But anyway, uh, a little correction from last week, Micah. Would you care to elaborate? Yep. Jump on the gun there yesterday. Yep. Last you week. know, I apologize. Anna Friel is British, not American. I read it on Leaky. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> good one. Mm. Good one. So, you know, credit them with the mistake just as much. <laughs> uh, you know, we're not perfect. And then also, to make up for uh, not being around last week, uh, we decided that it would be good to give you guys a sneak peek of what our plans are for the show, because it's been 30 episodes now. Congrats, guys, uh, by the way. 30 episodes. Yay! It's impressive. Yay. It's been 30 shows, and it's been the same format. We've been doing the same thing week by week, and people enjoy it. People love it, you know? But we want to add to it. So we have uh, four or five new segments. Uh, They're going to be intermixed week by week. Some won't show up one week. Some will show up the other. just want to go through them real quick. Uh, The original segments will still be on the show, Uh, except for the main character discussion. We're expanding that into something even Bigger. So the first segment we'll be doing is listener rebuttal, and this will be the part of the show where listeners can send in emails in response to theories that we've discussed the week before, and we'll respond to the listener's response if it's needed. Because each week we get tons of emails saying, hey, I disagree, hey, you know, just to expand on that, blah, blah, blah. We're going to start reading your emails to go a little further into what we talked about. So this way this gets everyone else more involved. And then the editorial discussion, Mike and Laura, you two are leading that, yes? Mm-hmm. Yep. Could you quickly elaborate on that? Sorry to put you on the spot, but... That's all right. Uh, basically, what we'll be doing, uh, I don't know if it's going to be an every week thing. We'll probably alternate it, like it'll you be, said. Yeah, it'll be every other mm-hmm. week. Hopefully. Well, we're going to be going through the editorials on MuggleNet and picking out the best ones and getting a hold of the people who wrote them and just doing a short little 10-minute interview with them discussing some theories. So it'll be good stuff. Our editorial section on the site has become so big and popular... It, it's just the perfect segment for MongoCast. Yeah, and is it this week? Or are you going to do? Are you going to put it in this week? Or are we going to wait? And ne- next week, the first one's going to. Okay. So. You guys already recorded the first one. Mm-hmm. Yep. So everyone should look forward to that next week. And then the theory of the week. This is a new clever segment we sort of put together. Each week, well, or when we decide to. <laughs> no, it'll. Each week we'll be covering one theory. That is popular in the Chamber of Secrets forum, cosforums.com, mugglenet.com's official forums. Any theories in there that are being discussed heavily, that are getting a lot of buzz, we're going to talk about in the show and uh, 
put our own spin on them. And another one, this was suggested by Emily, who, as most of you remember, was on the show a few weeks ago. I don't know, I guess we're going to make this the working title for now. I don't know if, I'm not really crazy about it, I don't know if you guys are. The quote-unquote what-if segment, where we take a situation and work out what would happen if something happened differently in the Harry Potter series. So say, for example, as Kevin suggested, <laughs> what would have happened if Ginny was not handed the book from Lucius Malfoy? <gasps> well, we sort of all know what... Oh my <laughs> gosh, then, then Chamber of <laughs> Secrets wouldn't even matter like, anymore. Yes. We, that's, sort of, that's sort of a goofy example. So basically, this will be the part of the show where we examine theories surrounding the what-ifs of the series. And then finally, what will be the pinnacle of the show, MuggleCast's chapter by chapter, where we go through every single chapter of books one through six and discuss every little thing, well, relatively important thing, that has happened in that chapter. We're going to do a couple chapters per show, depending on how, what content was in each chapter. So, like, say, the final chapters of Book 5, those were huge. Those will probably require their own shows. But like, And we'll also provide an unabridged copy of the chapter for each of you. Not really. <laughs> we won't. <laughs> but, but this is going to be fun, because we're going to get... Basically, everyone who's listening is going to be on the same page as everyone else, as the hosts, as your fellow listeners. Everyone is going to know what's going on, and we're all going to have the same information in our heads because we're all discussing the same things. And then ahead of time, we're also going to let everyone know what chapters we're going to be discussing next week. So you, too, can read the chapters ahead of time. And when we're discussing, you can be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be some serious participants. There's going to be some serious participation going on. So we're really looking forward to those. Um, and just a reminder, this is not going to get rid of the quote-unquote unpredictability that has made this show so popular. We've gotten a few emails, actually, of people saying, oh, is this going to take away from you guys just going off and talking about whatever? And no, <laughs> we're, we're pretty sporadic we're, people. <laughs> believe it or not, we do plan some of this, <laughs> although it may not seem like it. So this will all begin with episode 31. Just a week away. All right, now moving on to some discussion here. Unless you've been living under a rock, you know that the Goblet of Fire DVD was released in United States and Canada this week. Much to the delight of fans across the United States and, hey, Canada. So initial thoughts. See, Andrew, here's what happened. I was in a good mood, and then you had to go talking about the Goblet of Fire <laughs> oh, DVD. Oh, Ben. And you, just, you just downright bummed Wait, me out. Wait, why? What's, what was the issue? I liked it. It was terrible. Why do you say that? Okay. So I go to Walmart. I f- I, first I find the regular edition. I can't find a special, special edition. I make my way up front. Finally find it. I go to check it out, and this DVD is already cursed because my debit card doesn't even work to buy this DVD. Uh, when it's worked every time. That's because you have no money. So there's the first thing that went wrong. <laughs> oh, funny. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kevin. That hurts. That hurts. And so... I come home, and I finally start watching it, and I, since I've already seen the movie enough, I pop in the special features DVD, and I, it takes me three years just to find the actual interviews, and then there's some really lame games on there, and it's just really not that great, and I was, I was pretty upset that I had to pay $23 for a DVD that, for a, a two-disc two DVD set, 
when it used to be that just a normal edition had the deleted it's scene. It's true, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah, a, was just, a little annoying. It was just a disappointment. I don't know. It depends on, like, little kids will probably like the games. I mean, if you have a little kid in mind, like Andrew does, then you'll probably like the games. But Yeah, but I think we read that in one of the reviews that we posted on the site. Who can actually navigate those games with a TV remote? DVD games never no. work out. They're just, yeah. They've they're, had them on all horrible, the other yeah. Harry Potter DVDs, and they've all been really bad. So I don't really think So why was... would they try to put them in? <laughs> <laughs> Fill up space? <laughs> because it's a marketing scheme. You look on the back of this cover, I guarantee you it's going to talk about the games. It does, but it doesn't call them games. It just says, what's his uh, Dragon Challenge, Lake Challenge, and Maze Challenge? They're to appeal to younger kids. No. Now, what about the, uh, no. did you like the... Well, hold on, wait a second. Did anyone else play the games? Because I haven't. I, I had no interest in it. I uh, accidentally then. ended up clicking on one, but I didn't play it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it wasn't too specific. At me. Like, like Ben said, the interviews, they don't say interviews. They say, in too deep, the second task, which you get the idea, but... I actually didn't nice have if... a hard time navigating it. I found everything just fine. No, I don't... Well, Ben, what were you saying? It took you three years. See, there's, there's Laura. <laughs> there's Laura trying to make herself feel socially superior to me. No, it says it said something like discussion with the cast. No, it didn't. It said it said Hogwarts. It's it's true. Yeah, Hogwarts. it says at Hogwarts, and then you click it, and then you've got all the little things, and it says yeah, something with the cast. Who would think? Who would think to click? Who would think to click at Hogwarts? I clicked all the others before I finally got that. Oh, well, it would be assumed that Hogwarts problem. is where all the main specials are because it's Hogwarts. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Just That's that. what I did. Yeah, I, I looked same. at it and I said, hmm. <laughs> I said, hmm, Dragon Area, Lake, Maze, Hogwarts. Where would all the information be? <laughs> No, that's stupid. No, the, no you well, it's true. You shouldn't have that. to think about it. But no, you shouldn't. <laughs> you, I, I, I automatically click on Hogwarts because well, it's okay, Hogwarts. Okay, but I have to, I have to make a comment that it's a lot better than the previous DVDs. Well, especially no, the two and three were. Yeah, bad, that one. one. You had to. Oh, that was yeah, yeah, but everyone complained one. about that. You had to win the. You had to get yeah. to the chambers and be, fight Voldemort or whatever. I don't, I don't remember if you had to fight Voldemort. You had to get past. Fluffy, the three-headed guy. <laughs> we actually posted a solution for that on MuggleNet because people yeah, were having I, so much problems, so many problems with it. You had to go through this whole thing just to get to the deleted and scenes. And they weren't even that paid. good. Yeah. That was yeah. the problem. Speaking of deleted yeah. scenes, uh, I enjoyed them this time around, and I'm glad they put it all into I'm one glad. video so you were forced to watch all of them. <laughs> I didn't like that. I like being able to skip through, you know, because some of the scenes are... Really crappy, and they were well, cut. You for still want to watch them all, don't you? Yeah, but you watch them all the first time, but after that, I mean, if you want to see a deleted scene, you go and click that deleted scene. I think it's just pure laziness not to make a menu for it and have a play now, all option. Um, <laughs> the one deleted scene that was especially interesting was uh, the whole Yule Ball one, where the Weird Sisters are rocking out. Me and John from Leaky were talking about this earlier, and did did everyone watch yep. that? Yeah, I'm glad they left that out. I, I was too. I'm glad they left it out, but the intro was a much, much better. Uh, it didn't just cut to some random rock I thought guys, it was kind of lame. You know, playing out. <laughs> well, it's stretching out like six minutes was really lame. I mean, I'm really... We're all glad that they cut that out. That would have taken away from the movie so much. But. Okay. Are, are we going to get into this 
theory about video editing and what transitions are the best, right, Andrew? Yes. No, I'm saying the intro was much better to the whole <laughs> Weird Sisters thing. In the final cut, it just goes into some random rock concert. You're like, what the hell is this? There's no rocking at Hogwarts. It's all classical music. That's not true. That's the book, not they true had the band. at all. No. Where do you, Didn't you watch the interview? From a movie standpoint. Where yeah, he I watched said the that it's not all Pro- classical music. I know, but if you only watch the movies and then all of a sudden this rock and roll music starts showing up, you can't tell me that fit into the movie. I think it did. I it's, thought it was fine. I didn't see any It's a ball. It. It's just it's a dance concert. for teenagers. Yeah. Do you think they're going to be yeah, playing? Yeah, but Hogwarts, not be have you ever to... heard rock music? Have you ever heard all teenagers they're listening they're not, they're to not classical music? I know all... <laughs> No, but <laughs> you're have wrong. You ever seen a teenager with a wand that can do magic? It's so that makes different. them all classical lovers. Okay, no, not true, not true. No, Andrew, <laughs> come on, dude. They've had to throughout the entire series. It's a parallel to real life, just because no real teenagers carry around magical <laughs> wands. <laughs> but that, that doesn't matter. What matters is that teenagers they 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 start to develop relationships with members of the opposite sex, like we saw in Goblet of Fire. And they like rock music. I don't see what the big deal is. I just thought it felt out of place. It may seem out of place. One thing that I really liked when I was watching the deleted scenes was the fact that as I watched them, there weren't any of them that specifically jumped out at me and said, this should have been in the movie. With all of the previous movies, there have been at least two or three scenes in the deleted scenes. I was like, why didn't you put that in? That would have just, you know, two-minute scene, it would have explained so much. But with this, it was like, you know, these scenes, they weren't bad, but I don't think they would have added all that much. So I think that it goes to show that Mike Newell did a good job deciding what to cut and what not to. Yeah, and actually on the DVD, Dan Radcliffe said that when he was filming the movie, there'd be a time when he said, oh, I didn't, I didn't do very well in that scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. When he goes back and watched it, he saw oh, that. Oh, thank God they cut it. He saw that they actually deleted it, yeah. Speaking, speaking of that interview, what did you guys think of that interview? The main the, one? The interview with Dan I think it was pretty cool. cool. I thought it was good. I think that it, whole uh, fan, I miss Lizzo. fan question I miss thing Lizzo. was awkward. <laughs> yeah, you know, oh, that girl, P.S., that girl uh, who was wearing the black shirt, curly hair. Here, let me get her name. Specifically. She actually found out about that contest through MuggleNet, which is pretty oh, cool. Yeah, I remember I had that. actually talked to her. Yeah, I remember. I think you were one of the people who... Well, no, it might have been Calissa. But I talked to her on AIM, and she was all excited. You know what else was pretty lame? Uh, Disc 2, when you put it in. What do you get? Trailers for WB movies. I was going to say that. Oh, every I skipped that. That's the first thing so I was going dumb. to say. Okay, why does it matter, though, guys? Seriously. Why can't you just press skip twice? You you spend you spend $7 more for the special edition, and you stick in the special edition disc, and you get advertisement. Yeah. I mean, I, it's more understandable so, to play it at the beginning of the movie, not at the I special know. features disc. That doesn't make any sense. Just press well, the Why does it matter, though? Who wants to why watch that? You, you buy this. You, you spend this extra it, money. The DVD, you don't have to watch it. The first complaint that I originally had with DVDs was that they didn't have previews. And that's where sometimes I say, oh, that's a good movie. I want to go see that movie. And so I actually like the preview sometimes. It wasn't like it was an ad for... Buy your Clorox bleach, bleach now, or George Foreman. So you actually you watch drive them? My, you drive my grill. You actually watch them? Huh? You watch the trailers? <laughs> I, I didn't watch them this time because I needed to, to start watching it so I could get ready for the show. But if I had more time, but Kevin made a good them. point. If yeah. you're paying an extra seven bucks to get this one disc, why are they going to put more trailers on it? it I say I throw know. it on the first disc. Why does it matter? Because 
have them skip through that. On the special yeah, features. Okay, disc, if you're Warner Brothers and you have the opportunity to make to make a few million, a few hundred thousand dollars, just putting those two ads on there, and when it's not that big of an inconvenience. Yeah, but why not put it on the first? Why not disc? do it? Yeah, that's kind of how I feel because there's this nice little button on your DVD remote that says menu. And it says skip, skip. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, when you press menu, it skips it. But I just, it was just out of I mean, place. If it, if it was mandatory for you to All watch right. them. Okay. If someone tied you down to your chair All right. All right. and held your eyelids open and made you... <laughs> Kevin... <laughs> Actually, a, a, rep from, a rep from WB came over and did that to me. <laughs> tied me down. The point, the point me and Kevin are trying to make <laughs> is that they're just out of place. That's all. And the point I'm trying to make is that you need to stop your whining. <laughs> so the rest of the behind-the-scenes stuff was good. Ran about five to ten minutes apiece. They all g- gave great looks into developing the Did movie. you guys notice that during the features on the three tasks, there were a couple of bits that um, weren't in the movie and they weren't in the deleted scenes either? Like certain lines that people would say and they just sort of disappeared? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. there was one with Voldemort and he was talking about... I forget, it was like the Lord giveth and or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't in the movie and it wasn't in the deleted scenes either. I just, the Quidditch World Cup, it jumps, the movie just jumps right into the Quidditch World Cup and everything moves so fast in that first ten minutes. Before well, yeah, you know that's it, like the first ten chapters and, right there. Yeah, it's, I would have, and plus I would like to see a little gameplay from the Quidditch World Cup. I mean, because the intro to that is so huge. They spend more time with uh, Harry walking up the steps, getting to his seats, than they do with the actual gameplay. <laughs> well, I like how Mike talked about pulling out the central theme in the movie being a thriller, and how he sort of chose what was more important to emphasize that theme. And I think that while the beginning does rush a lot, it was a necessity, because there was no way yeah, that we definitely. were going to get everything in there. The book is just so massive. It's just, it's impossible. Unless you just expand it another ten minutes, which, you know, we could talk about that forever. Yeah, well, it's never gonna happen, I mean. Yeah. And there's, there was no explanation with the Quidditch World Cup. They just showed up there. Mm -hmm. So, unless you've read the books, then you're like, what the, what is this? Yeah. (laughs) Is this football on I had a friend who was like that. (laughs) She was just sitting beside me, like, sort of staring at the screen, like, what is this? She was pretty confused. Hey, hey, guess guess who I am. You have no business here. This room is for champions and friends. <laughs> <laughs> who am I? Hey, I only said oh, one line in the entire film. I think you're Fleur. Stanislav Ianevsky. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think he should have had more than one line. <laughs> Especially people, you know, people were looking forward to seeing all these three champions. Yeah, but shining. according to Hermione, Victor is more of a physical being. Oh, right. Yeah. I just forgot. <laughs> I sort of have this visual of them throwing that line in last minute to explain the fact that he says nothing in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, guys, he, he doesn't, he's not a talker. He just, you know, he's touchy-feely. He's a strong and silent type. Oh, no, another thing about Fleur that I liked about the, on the DVD was when they were doing the interview with her, she, she like, finally displayed, we finally see some personality behind Clement's posy and what we've seen before, and I really like that, because she's really attractive. Don't tell Emma I said that, you know, I actually kind of liked the whole thing with the champions. I thought it was a little drawn out, but they all seemed really funny. 
like when I was watching it, they were all really, you know, they had a good sense of humor and they weren't annoyed that they had this camera following them around. Yeah, who who's the who's I excuse me for forgetting his name. Who's the guy who plays Saint Robert Pattinson. He's really Robert funny. Pattinson. <laughs> I should have asked Matt. Yeah, he was really loose. Like I never expected him cuz whenever you see him in the films, he's always you know, he's not all like loose like he was. He was very fun and you know, WB, I, I was sort of surprised WB would let that sort of thing go into the film, onto the DVD, because that was really, you saw a lot of stuff at Leaves in Studios. Yeah, I, 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 I like yeah. the part where, um, what's his name, Pattinson ran up and tackled Ianevsky, you know, where you sort of ran into him. I don't know, I like they were just playing around. Oh, yeah. Set. Yeah, he was, they were saying when that was their uh, first, day first day on yeah. the set. Any thoughts, Micah? Micah has... No, actually, uh, I have a kind of a story because I didn't buy the right DVD. (laughs) Oh, no. And when I got home today and I put in the DVD, I didn't see any special features on there. You you know, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be confused by that because there's never been three versions of it. (laughs) I think it's stupid still. One that I saw was, even my Walmart, the Walmart I went to, there were four of them because there was one that came with a scene at DVD. Yeah, yeah and someone emailed pack. us today. Someone emailed us today about that. The scene it thing, it doesn't come with the special features. It's oh just the it, and and the scene it, it's it's a demo. No, well, here's the kicker. It's a, it's a demo version of scene it. That scene it game. It's not even I'm the real sorry, thing. it's really lame. <laughs> I've never played it. It Yeah. I remember in that hotel. <laughs> At the premiere, Eric, like right after the oh, premiere, yeah, he was. I think it was premiere night. Eric's like, "Let's play seat it. Let's play seat it." <laughs> and we're all like, "No, enough is and enough." We're all good DVD, right? Yeah, I was a yeah, little disappointed right. with the features, yeah, but it's fair. It's it's more than what's been there. Yeah, in the but past. see, the thing is that when you're when people are rating DVDs now, they expect special features without purchasing anything else. Oh and yeah. On three four years ago, that that was exactly. unheard of. All the special and features. And on though. this DVD, if you buy the basic version, you get nothing. So I'm sure they're going to That's rate right. it a Michael two out know. of ten. <laughs> <laughs> you know they're they're going to rate it horribly because it's DVD wise, it's crappy. You know it doesn't include anything. I just don't understand why even give people that choice. To you get would think the they'd want them to spend features. more money. Yeah. Yeah. Do the special features only. And make $7 for every million more people that, you know, aren't doing the special features. But everyone does. Anyway. Yeah. Not to mention, plus there's every store I went into had the normal edition out front. You had to go and find the uh, special yep. edition. It was yeah. hidden. <sighs> but anyway, so moving on to the main discussion of this week. This is kind of sad because this is our final main character discussion. Where we go in-depth on a specific Harry Potter character Aww. within the series. And we've done a lot... How many How many characters have we we've done? We've been doing it since, like, episode 11? Have we? That long? That's it? <laughs> I, I thought it was so. shorter than that. Yeah, and I don't even think we did Harry Potter. I thought it was, like, since episode 7 or 9. No. No, it's not What did that. we talk about? <laughs> yeah, we didn't do Harry Potter. There's always room. There, we'll continue it. Well, he uh, gets after talked about when chapter. we do everyone else, so... We don't need mm-hmm. to do exactly, yeah. He always gets in somehow. After chapter by chapter, which will take oh god, <laughs> at least twenty <laughs> shows. Well, let's count up the uh, more than twenty shows. Let's more count like up 50. the chapters and uh, 
don't quote me on it. I think there's 160 chapters, something like that. 160. Um, all right, so our main character discussion this week and the final one until episode 4000 is Professor Trelawney. A good way to end it off because she's not that huge of a character, but she she she's pretty yeah important she is she's, she's done, a little vital. Yeah, well she's only a little. It's not like yeah. she has anything to do with anything important. Nothing. No. Don't be it's lame, like Laura. She, don't be lame. It's not like she created a prophecy or like, okay, enough. <laughs> spoke of one. Enough. <laughs> yeah, Andrew, give me lame. some general information so, about Trelawney. Please, please, Andrew. Ben, if you insist. So Sybil Patricia Trelawney. Extremely thin, wears large glasses that magnify her eyes, usually draped in a large number of spangled shawls, beads, chains, bangles, heck are bangles, and rings. She's a pure blood, and she's the great-great-granddaughter of the celebrated seer Cassandra Trelawney, who uh, one of the questions that we have ready uh, is related to. Right, Micah? Yep. Care to start us off? Sure. So the Sibyls in Roman mythology were a group of seers, and what some people have done with this is they're, in particular, in the Aeneid, there's a Sibyl who meets Aeneas before he goes to his journey in the underworld, and she's responsible for guiding him through the underworld to meet his father. And a lot of people have said, well, can something similar happen with Harry in the final book? You know, can Trelawney sort of guide him? Maybe not necessarily, you know, talking about going through the veil or anything like that, but is she going to be responsible for guiding him on his journey in book seven? I hope not. I don't think so. She's a pretty dull character in my I think that, book. okay, even though J.K. Rowling uses a lot of references to mythology and all of that, I don't think that she'd choose a mythological ending necessarily, though. Yeah, same here. Because I, she, I don't because she uses happening. things, she gets ideas and borrows ideas from it. But I don't think she'd actually wind up using the conclusion from one of, from one of those stories. Yeah, and if you think about it, she's already sort of filled that purpose because she's not directly leading Harry through the series, but she's sort of provided the, you know, the catalyst. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, I I agree with Ben. I think it's just used because the of the name itself has some connection to prophesizing and things like that. So. I don't think to go any deeper would probably be the wrong way to go, especially since Trelawney is such a whacked-out character. Yeah, that, and I think people kind of blow it out of the proportion because there's so many people who are into mythology who read these books because they're really into the whole literary analyzation and all that. I just think people take it a little too far. I I agree with that because I like mythology, but I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, the entire Harry Potter series is determined by what happened with their mythological equals, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it I would mean, be very disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if you want to know what happens to Harry at Just the end, read the Odyssey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go read the Odyssey. <laughs> not to mention mythology tends to relate to everything. Because that's the whole point of mythology. It, it was, you know, it, mythology used to be considered a religion. Whatever was myth, or is myth now, was a religion then, you know? And it was a code of ethics, and it had to relate to something, so you would assume it would relate to daily life. So we've seen her throughout the series make two 
um, prophecies. But she doesn't seem to be able to be good any other time. So is she a real seer, or does she just predict things when she's not trying to? Well, she's she's obviously a real seer. She's Agreed. just She doesn't mm-hmm. have the gift constantly. <laughs> I don't think... I think that in the series, people have the misconception that seers can just walk around and just suddenly go into a trance and, right. you know, predict the future. Right, but because I think, well, I think... Sorry, Kevin, go ahead. I think it's more of a random thing. Right, you know? like Kevin was saying... I think that it's not really that she can do it when she wants to. It's when she actually has something true to predict about the future, then she will. But yeah, and other it's times, also that yeah, she she kind of feels the pressure of people around her expecting her to be able to, you know, just tell the future at the drop of a hat. So she makes stuff up. And not to mention the one one of the main prophecies she created is secret. You know. So no one knows about, maybe some people know, but not the general public, you know? The general public doesn't know that she actually created the prophecy that, you know, dictates how Harry is going to defeat Voldemort or de- Voldemort defeat Harry. Right. Well, she doesn't even know that she exactly. created the prophecy. Exactly. So, so it's sort of like, you know, it's it's sort of somewhat sad because she's trying to live up to her you know, relative's name, and she already has without realizing it. So this is actually something we haven't talked about very much on the show, but it's obviously the whole kind of, I don't know, backbone of the series, the prophecy. Do you guys think that Joe took the easy way out, or is there still more to this prophecy that we don't know? I don't understand what you mean by easy way out. Well, I think... People were expecting more out of it, and it turned out to be just as it was written. Well, she got cut off. Well, she yeah. didn't get cut off, but the guy who overheard it uh, was like thrown out a window or something. Yeah, Snape was thrown no, out. No, I, I think he's referring to the overall prophecy, the one that Dumbledore showed Harry. Oh, which one? Is that it, Micah? Yeah. Yes, it, because people were expecting that... The wording of the prophecy seemed as though it could be taken multiple ways, and people are, I'm assuming Micah is referring to the fact that J.K. Rowling probably, it hasn't truly been confirmed yet, um, probably took, you know, she went with the base meaning of the prophecy, the one that was the obvious choice of meanings and not the alternate choice, if you know what I mean. Well, that's sort of like the whole... Well, that's not really but at the same that. time, I mean, we haven't had confirmation that she has. So, I mean, people may think that she took the easy way out, as they call it, but we we don't have any confirmation of that. I just really don't get why people are calling it the easy way out. I know, I she created the prophecy. A it's, pretty straightforward yeah. thing, and it was about time that we figured out what Harry needed to do. You know, it would have... I think it would have been a little late to introduce that in the sixth book. So maybe people were expecting a little more since she did it in the fifth book, but yeah, I, mean, I she... thought it was fine. <laughs> well, Micah, didn't you just say that um, people it was open so that people could take it different ways? Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is that I think maybe that's well, the creative part of it, that it's open to interpretation and the whole reason that's... that... Go ahead. That's Joe's style, isn't it? 
to leave things open, to leave things a mystery. But yeah. So I don't really think it's. So I really don't think it's that much of a surprise. Yeah, but she t- sort of took it and opened it to interpretation in the book itself. Do you know what I mean? Like, if it hadn't been heard the way that it was heard, and the actions that were taken weren't taken, then we'd be on a totally different path. I mean, maybe just the big thing about the prophecy was that it could have been interpreted a different way, and it wasn't. I didn't have a problem with it. I'm just saying that when you read editorials and and things like that, and people's response to that book in particular, it it seemed like they were upset that there wasn't more to the prophecy. You know, some huge twist. Maybe it's just people going out of spite that, oh, gee, I put so much thought into it, and then it's as simple as that. What the heck? I thought there was a pretty big twist in the fact that the prophecy didn't have to come true. Yeah, You know, we found out that it was all about choice, and, you know, if Voldemort would just say, if he would just say, you know, I don't want to do this, then nothing would have happened. I thought that was a pretty big twist. Yeah, but I think they were expecting something like Neville is the actual person. You know, people still think that, and I'm like, what would be the point of writing this series about Harry when it turns end... out to be Neville. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's like Harry just gets yeah. to sit back and do nothing I in mean, the seventh book. Yeah. I, I still maintain that I think Neville is going to play a part, but he's oh, I do too. going to no play doubt. a huge part. <laughs> you know, Or maybe not, maybe a huge part, but not the Harry Potter part. <laughs> well, we sort of touched on this a little bit before when we said that she didn't remember the prophecy, but do you think anything would be different if she did? Absolutely. What do you think would be different? Because what would happen is she'd be captured by Voldemort, and Voldemort would could extract the memory from her. Well, I think that's well, I think that's one of the reasons why. I think that even though she doesn't remember it, she still has some of it in her mind, and I think that's why Dumbledore keeps her there and protects her. But um, I think it would be different in the sense that she wouldn't. Not maybe maybe not the book be different. But maybe the character itself would be significantly different in the sense that she doesn't have to prove herself. You know what I mean? And she'd also be aware of what she's responsible for. Exactly. So she is at risk, and that's why she's at Hogwarts. I don't think any of us disagree with that. Right. No, I think that's that makes perfect sense. Okay, so going back to the prophecy for a minute the whole mystery that sort of exists surrounding the night at the Hogshead. We know that Trelawney said it was a cheap place for her to stay, and let's not go into that. But why does Dumbledore use <laughs> the Hogshead for the interview? You know, I don't know it, if there's really a reason behind it. Is it because we think his brother is the bartender? Well, wouldn't it be just because Trelawney's already there in the first place? Yeah. yeah too. It's just to her convenience that she's already there. I mean, in another sense, if you're all in-depth, you can think, well, maybe uh, Dumbledore was there, so it wasn't like a... It was just an average, typical location. It wouldn't have been out of place, or nobody would have thought anything of it. Well, we also know that the Hogshead is kind of a shady place now, but maybe it wasn't then. Maybe it was an okay place to go. You know, obviously, if Dumbledore turned up in there now, people might kind of you know, turn their heads, but... Well, especially because he's supposed to be dead, but... Well, you know what I mean. I knew that was coming. Okay. Heads would definitely turn. (laughs) No, but say it was, say it was like the three broomsticks then, you know, no one would think 
you know, anything of him showing up there. Right. And what's now? Are we sure that Dumbledore chose the location? No, I mean we don't know. She, I mean, she's a pretty strange person. Yeah, she, she was staying there. That was the whole point. Oh, of it. so and it's not like Dumbledore. He didn't know that the prophecy was coming. He was just interviewing her exactly, for the job. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If he had known that, I, I think he would have uh, brought her to a little more secure location. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Throughout the series, it seems like the whole idea of divination and prophecy uh, just isn't a respected subject. And, you know, what is she saying, Joe in particular, about this subject? I mean, Hermione doesn't like it. She's smart. McGonagall doesn't like it. She's smart. Why does the subject just get absolutely no credibility whatsoever? I don't think it gets credibility from the more logical characters. And because it's such an unpredictable branch of, branch of magic, yeah. like McGonagall has said. Where it's, you know, that you're predicting the future, and it's, you know, it's sort of like, hate to draw the comparison, sort of like art class in, in high school and choir in high school. Oh no! Where oh it's, no! <laughs> I mean, people, a lot of people take it, but it's not. You don't really. It's hard to find someone who's really actually gifted at it. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> if 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 you're taking that class, that means you're into it, especially in high school. I disagree. Some some kids <laughs> that get depends. That we had class. no choice. Yeah, I, mean, I got stuck in art for well, three years. <laughs> oh, okay. Sometimes well, my, <laughs> my the better of the required. two evils. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was I was thinking it wasn't required. I thought it was just an elective. Well, I think there's a lot to be said for the fact that it's very unpredictable, and you know, despite what Hermione says, I'm sure that there's some resentment there that there is a subject she can't do. I think it's sneezed upon in Hogwarts because it's taught by Trelawney and she's always making these false predictions. Yeah. So everyone's like, what a joke. <laughs> this class yeah. is a joke. And Hermione dropped out of it. So obviously she's ticked off by the teacher and she probably doesn't like the class. And I, I, I don't really think it's because she couldn't do it. I think it's because she couldn't. Was it because she couldn't no. stay in a teacher? I thought that was like yeah, a, I think, Well, I think she didn't was, like yeah. her, but at the same time, Hermione could never have any type of vision in the crystal balls or anything. Yeah, but, like it always... but if you notice, it's not so much that she couldn't see things, it's because she didn't believe in it, so she was sort yeah. of stopping right. herself. And at the so, same yeah. time, Trelawney would sit there and tell her, you know, you're not gifted at this subject, basically insulting her, and, you know, yeah, it's probably true to an extent, and I think that that kind of hit home for her. Definitely yeah, but I, d- I don't think she resents the subject, though. I think she resents it because of Trelawney. Like, I don't think that she hates Sears, but when she thinks about transfiguration... Not transfiguration, <laughs> excuse me. When she thinks about that subject at Hogwarts, and she sort of thinks about it along the lines of Trelawney's teaching it. She doesn't like Trelawney, therefore she doesn't like the subject. Yeah, that's true. In Half-Blood Prince... Trelawney is, uh, you know, she's hitting the bottle a little bit. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She's wandering around with uh, that bottle of sherry, and you guys think maybe she saw something that we don't know about? I mean, she had one of her visions, perhaps, that would bring that on, or is it just the whole kind of stress of this? what's been going on overall? I think it's just the stress. Yeah. yeah. Well, that I know she wasn't thought. the only one drinking a lot. There was a lot more alcohol consumption in that book than there have been in any of the other books. 
<laughs> was there? Yeah, there was. That. Anytime, anytime it talked about a teacher or an adult, they were always drinking something alcoholic. And I think it just goes to show that times are getting hard, people are getting stressed out, people are scared. Yeah, that is a really good point, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. It's so are... funny. Harry Potter finally is cool with teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we see know. why Joe wrote it in. Who are we yeah. kidding? It's for all yeah. these teenagers. They can relate now. <laughs> I'm not encouraging anything. I'm not suggesting anything. Following book five, we see friends also come in and start teaching divination. And this, we know that the centaurs have a different type of way that they go about making prophecies versus the way Trelawney does. What do you guys think? Which is one of them more accurate than the other? Well, certainly Ferenz would be because he's a centaur and they're gifted with that. And he's probably more accurate more of the time than Trelawney is. Trelawney's sort of she's a bit shaky, you know. Every once in a while she'll pop up with an actual prophecy, but Ferenz he's, he's, he's not telling us as much as he knows, of course. But I think he knows quite a bit. More than Trelawney, at least. Anyone disagree? No, I don't disagree at all. In fact, I think that's kind of a disadvantage that the characters have, that the centaurs won't tell them. Mars is know. awful bright tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we, kind of dub- <laughs> we kind of debunked the whole idea of Trelawney helping Harry out in Book 7. Is she going to play any role, or is she done now? So wouldn't she make for a good character to be killed off by you? Well, she might, but I personally am not going to cry if she dies. Well, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I just picture this mass murder happening in Book 7. Well, I think it's definitely true that she needs protection. (laughs) That's why why Dumbledore didn't want her to leave Hogwarts whenever Umbridge was trying to kick her out. Guys, we have to stop talking about Book 7. It's just getting me so depressed. (laughs) Why? Because it's the end? Because it's almost over. (laughs) I, I don't know it's how you people suck. can think that when it's over a year away still. Yeah, I know. But that's just, I'm know, okay, come on. It's that only knows coming what's up gonna on be a happening. year since Half-Blood Prince came out. I mean, time just flies. It's so sad. Yeah. We're going to have to plan something for that, too. Rumor has it Joe's going to be inviting everyone to her house for this big awesome. fiesta party. Nice. Awesome. I don't know if that's true or not. I think Andrew just... <laughs> yeah, we're going to podcast from her living room. Yeah. Can you imagine Eric in the presence of J.K. Rowling? Oh, jeez. I can't. I, I don't think he'd be able to talk. I he think... would put on such an act. No, he, no, he, he would, would put on such an act. He would see her and then just drop to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and just... That's what I would do. I would faint. <laughs> it's really sad. All right. So, wrapping it up, Emma Thompson as Professor Trelawney. What do you guys think of her? Um, so actually, coincidentally... I think she's pretty good. She was on David Letterman the other night, but... Regardless of that. Rerun or? It was a rerun, yeah. But. What was she promoting? I don't know, but she looked a lot different than what I saw in the movie. It was really weird. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I hear Ray Fiennes looks nothing like he does in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he actually has a nose. <laughs> yeah. And hair. It's amazing. But yeah, I think she's done a really good job. I I thought she was excellent. Uh, yeah, I, I like It was kind of confusing. Like, I don't know. I didn't really expect when she did the prophecy to be. Ah, the dark lord will rise at midnight as I, I thought that was a perfect. I, I, I thought, thought that was, was good. good. Yeah. The dark she's a crazy lord. woman. And she, okay. And she, 
because she's a crazy woman. Yeah, she was really emotional with it. And it it fit her perfectly. (laughs) And everyone's like, who is this woman? I thought it was good. Okay, enough. Sorry. Sorry. You got a little taken away there. And now let's move on to one of the best parts of the show, the voicemails, where you guys send in your questions. Uh, We'll do a couple of Trelawney questions first. Kevin Stack. Hi, this is Taylor Newman from Eaton Rapids, Michigan. In book seven, since McGonagall's the new headmaster and hates Trelawney, do you think Trelawney's toast is bye-bye? I think she is. I think she's toast that is burnt. Okay, thank you. And the runners-up for the MuggleCast segment, do they still get a T-shirt? Because I entered and I won a T-shirt. And I want to have clothes when the world ends because I don't really have the money to buy them from you. But I will soon. Love your show. Bye. Taylor Newman from Eaton Rapids, Michigan. I am sorry, but we just can't give shirts to every single person who uh, sent in the segment. However, your segment will be aired on the MuggleCast feed and show. In a special Um, show. Which we have to do. Yes. (laughs) Which we won't do until... which we won't do until uh, the other four runner-ups are played individually. With that, uh, I do not think that Trelawney is toast because McGonagall is not someone who's going to throw someone out of the school just because she doesn't like her. She's a fair person, and I just don't see that in her character. And she would do what's in the best interest of the students. Yes, not to mention what's in the best interest for... Which might not be Trelawney, but... Well, what's in the best interest for just the current situation? Because we've already specified that Trelawney's in danger. You know, she leaves Hogwarts. Where's she going to go? Yeah, that's true. That's why That's why she was able to hang around in Book 5 anyways. Mm-hmm. And also, I think that McGonagall would never go against what Dumbledore thought. And no. Dumbledore yeah. was obviously putting her up in the school to protect her. So I'm sure she no- has some idea of why she's there, so... Hey, this is Sarah, and I'm from Canton, Georgia. My question is about Professor Trelawney and the reason she's still at Hogwarts. Do you think it has anything to do with her past and trying to, um, and Dumbledore trying to protect her? And also, do you think that McGonagall is a grudge against divinations or actually against Trelawney herself? Thanks. I love the show. She is something against Trelawney herself because she just thinks Trelawney's crazy. Yeah, she thinks she's uh it's, yeah. no, it's nothing well, it is personal, but it's I don't think that it's anything big. She just right. thinks that she's full of crap. Yeah, and I think that that's what bothers McGonagall. She I think she values honesty and Trelawney is dishonest constantly. <laughs> you know Yeah, I mean, and I mean she takes teaching very seriously does, yeah. and when you've got someone like Trelawney running around predicting the death of a student every year you know, that would take someone like McGonagall off. Yeah, and she probably thinks that transfiguration contributes to these kids' education far more than divination does. So to have somebody going around and teaching this stuff just doesn't sit well with her. Could you, can, can you even earn an owl in divination? Yeah. Okay. I, <laughs> I drew a blank there. Sorry about that. Why wouldn't you? I don't know. Maybe well, they took the they took the owls for divination, so I'm assuming you would take the test to earn one. So, and also, we I think we all agree that uh, that she's there because Dumbledore wants to protect her. But see, here's the thing, though: 
we know that Snape, or most likely it was Snape that told Voldemort the part of the prophecy, but do we know that Snape told him, or who it was, though, that gave the prophecy? Do we even know if Snape knows who gave the prophecy? I mean, That's who knows if he even remembers what she looks like, or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, did he even give that information off to Voldemort? So is she yeah. really in danger? I think, in well, sense? I think just the general idea that Voldemort would want to know and who, keeping tabs you know, on her made the prophecy because if for some reason uh, that's just if for some reason more information comes out where Snape reveals to Voldemort or someone reveals to Voldemort that she did in fact give the prophecy, then Dumbledore would want to know exactly where she is. You know, right? Because and that... it's easier to protect someone when you know where they are rather than having to hunt them down. Not to mention, she is a true seer, so she does, you know, fit the part. Well, I mean, could that be a reason why Dumbledore trusts Snape? Because even though Snape gave up on the prophecy, he didn't give up who the person was It's was possible, but I, it. we don't have any information that tells us. I would think that as a Death Eater, if he was a Death Eater at the time, he would give all the information. I don't see Snape withholding information from Voldemort as a Death Eater. No, I think he Spilled probably told him everything yep. he knew. Just my opinion, though. I mean. Hey guys, this is Erica from Las Vegas. Just want to say I love your show. You guys are awesome. I have a quick question. I noticed that Trelawney was uh, episode three's session. Uh, I was wondering, what house do you guys think she was in when she went to Hogwarts? Um I've been trying to think about it, and I can't find any other traits that we know of that would place her in any particular house. And also, do you think we'll ever see her use a wand? Because we've never actually seen her do any spell work or anything. And also, uh, a suggestion for a listener challenge, maybe do a little impersonation contest of HP characters or something. I don't know. Not to try to copy off of a Pottercast, but I just think that'd be pretty funny. Or maybe get some folks going. And please do another leaky mug. I miss those. Uh, thanks, and hopefully I'll see you guys at Lumos. Bye. You know, I think it's really hard to place her, but if I had to go with my first inclination, I would say Ravenclaw. I would too. Same. Yep. Agreed. I I don't know why she well, just she's, seems like a Ravenclaw. I don't think she's stupid. I think she's probably fairly intelligent. She's just probably... Well, she is very disconnected from the real yeah. world. And you see, a lot of intelligent people are disconnected from the real world. So, like, take Ben Shane from her, for example. Yeah, oh, that's ouch. exactly what I was hey, saying. Hey, he's so intelligent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, didn't someone draw a connection between if you're in Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff, you're, um, you're not like popular or anything? What? No, they said no. What they said? I, think I heard popular. that on podcast. To be honest with yeah, you, they, <laughs> I think they said. What did they say? They said, um, "Who's they?" I can't remember. Well, Cho's where. popular. Cedric's popular. I can't. I don't know. Someone. I thought I heard someone say that. And they like made a good point of it, but Luna's I can't clearly remember popular. who it was. No, I think they. I think they were saying that. Typically, they just don't fit in. No, they was don't. It? It's not that they don't fit in. It's that they. They don't come to the foreground very often. They. They have. They just sort of exactly. hang around in the back. They, but I mean, that's real. Well, isn't yeah, that how but... Joe made them? 
Cause, I yeah, mean, like, well, because the main conflict is between the Gryffindors exactly. and the Slytherins. But, but I, well, not only that, but that could also be disproved because we've also seen Cedric and Luna out of different houses. Yeah, th- I think the point they made was that they can have very good abilities, but they never really show the abilities the way Slytherins or Gryffindors do. Exactly. So they're modest. Unlike... Slytherin. I don't know. I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, look at that Zachary is Smith. Uh, yeah, I know. There's exceptions to it, but in general. Alright, so now let's move over to some general voicemail questions. Hi, this is Nolan from Savannah, Georgia. Uh, the general agreement is that Harry must destroy all the Horcruxes and then go after Voldemort. But why is that? After all, the last time Voldemort was beaten, it took him 13 years to get his body back. Why doesn't Harry beat Voldemort first and then destroy the Horcruxes at his leisure without the Dark Lord breathing down his neck? Thanks. Love your show. Okay. Well, there's you, there's like a big flaw with that idea is that, to my knowledge, after he would kill Voldemort, Voldemort, wouldn't he become one of the Horcruxes? Isn't that right? I think the Horcruxes link him. It would be anticlimactic. No, no, for for one, I think that yes, it would be anticlimactic. But um, I think that the way I understand it, the Horcruxes, so long as a piece of your soul exists after you die, like at the point when you die, it it holds you to living, if that makes sense. And I think that the way she wrote it, it would make it so that. If he killed Voldemort and then destroyed the Horcruxes or Horcree, um, he would still be Voldemort would still be bound to the Earth until he was destroyed again. At least the way I understand it. Would you agree? I think so. Yeah, I, I think I see what you're saying. And and I think that's not to mention I would it would be pretty crappy for the book. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah. Um, imagine reading book seven and having Harry kill Voldemort at the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> it, it <laughs> yeah. Would, that would be pretty yeah. lame. Well, do we opening even page. Know, <laughs> do we even know that Harry could kill Voldemort without going after all the other Horcruxes? I mean, the first time it happened, it was kind of just—it was ancient magic that destroyed him. It was kind of just an accident, really. No, it wasn't ancient magic. It was the Vada Kedavra charm or spell. It was an ancient magic that deflected it back to him, that protected Harry. I don't know. It just seems that that's the way the books have been set up, that he's going to have to destroy these things before he gets to Voldemort. Because like you were saying before, he can just travel from place to place to place. I don't know, maybe it just makes more sense to go for the Horcruxes first and then go after Voldemort. I think in general it just weakens him probably as an individual, even mentally, for Harry to go up and say, you know, you really have nothing else to turn to. Once I kill you, you're going to be dead, and that's going to yeah. be it. I, I think so, too. I think the I think it's going to be one of the main reasons why Harry is going to be able to defeat Voldemort is because Voldemort... Is very, he's a very focused individual, and I think this will be enough to throw him off balance. And I think it's going to come down to that throwing off balance that's going to 
make it so Harry can defeat him. Hi, um, I'm I'm Marshall from New York, and and I just and I was just wondering if Harry manages to kill Voldemort, wouldn't he just come back as a ghost because because he fears death, and and the people who come who return as ghosts are one are people who fear death. I don't think people who fear death necessarily come back as ghosts. Well, I don't think he'll come back as a ghost simply because of the fact that he split his soul into so many pieces. <laughs> true. I think a requirement for coming back as a ghost is that your soul is He's going whole. to be I mean... com- coming back as, what, 13 ghosts? <laughs> right, well, isn't what ne- nearly had Nick said was that... Something has to... When, yeah, like you have to, that, yeah like... they have to leave something on Earth. Like, they're not ready to move on yet. It's not necessarily that like they fear death. It's more of... I have unfinished business here. Well, I think Voldemort would be a candidate for that. I mean, his unfinished business is taking over the world. Oh, yeah. So could Voldemort become a ghost and then rally Death Eaters around him, (laughs) even though he couldn't actually do it himself? It could be Harry Potter, I just, I don't think so. I have a feeling that you can't have your soul be fragmented and come back as a ghost. I, I don't see. I think it's sort of... You're damaging yourself. But don't a lot of people think that the final battle is going to take place somewhere in the Ministry of Magic near the Veil? So if he goes through the Veil, can he even come back if he wanted to as a ghost? Well, it depends on whether he's truly dead or not. Right, guys? It's true. Well, if you fall through the Veil, you die. Yeah. (laughs) Sirius is dead as dead. Yeah, but Dumbledore is not, right, guys? Dumbledore isn't, right, Andrew? No, he's he's still (laughs) kicking somewhere. Yeah, Dumbledore is uh, not dead. But but I agree with Laura. I think that in order to be a ghost, you have to be somewhat whole in your soul. Ha <laughs> ha, that rhymed. Okay. You're a poet, I you know. know it. Now moving on to one of the newer parts of the show. The MuggleCast Create Your Own Segment Contest. Wow, long title. Winners. Last show we played the first place winner. Which was Order of the iPod by Anthony. And this week, we have the second place winner, who is, drum roll please, ta-da, Katie Cardi. We don't have an official title for her segment, but it's a really good one. Laura, Micah, and I judge them, so here it is right now, second place winner, Katie Cardi. Hello, MuggleCast and fans. My name is Katie Cartee. I'm 26 years old, and I live in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I've been listening to MuggleCast for a few months now. I really love it. Uh, Really, really love Harry Potter, obviously, and wanted to participate in your competition. I think MuggleCast has just about everything that a podcast should have, but one thing I think it's a tiny teensy bit lacking in might be music. Now, I know you've got the music that plays at the beginning and sometimes at the end and so forth, which is great, and whoever composed that is a genius. Love it. Um, But you don't have any singing, and I love to sing and I make up my own songs sometimes, so I thought it might be funny to make a little parody song for you guys having to do with Harry Potter. I was inspired by a man named Steve Goody, who made several Harry Potter parodies that are hilarious that you can find online, and thought I would just kind of do a little tribute to him and to all the Harry Potter fans and make my own. Hopefully you'll enjoy it!
Alright, so once again, that was Katie Cardi. Thank you very much to her. Next week, we will have the honorable mention. Who will it be? It was a really good one, uh, and we gave them honorable mention. Oh, wait, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Next week, we have the third place winner, and then the week after that will be the honorable mention. Who will be third place? Who will be honorable mention? Find out next week. Well, you'll find out third place next week. Um... And then, by the way, guys, we've gotten so much feedback uh, all about last week's winning segment, Order the iPod by Anthony, like I mentioned earlier, um, that he and his friend Mike, who uh, was the voice of Harry, are up for creating more of these segments. So I said, hey, that'd be cool. Do one maybe once a month or so. So he's going to do them once a month. They're going to be interviews with the characters. And those two are really funny, so... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I never told you guys. I kept it a secret. So, we'll look forward to that. That's just going to be an extra little thing. A lot of fun. Bring some 
Bring some extra humor to the show. So much stuff that you reveal on the show is stuff that we don't know until we're recording. <laughs> I forget. Because <laughs> listen, we never, we, never, we never talk to each other during the week. All I do is say, no. hey, can, when, can, when do you want to record? He's always nagging These people us. are really disillusioned just... if they think that we sit there and talk to each other. Oh, uh, speaking well, now of that which, I'm revealing stuff that I never tell you. Did you guys you. see that list that's going around with our uh, aim names on it? Yes. What? It doesn't bother yeah. It doesn't bother me, though, because Here, get... everyone knows them anyway, <laughs> and I have everyone blocked unless you're on my buddy list. I've never so. given mine out. How the hell did they find uh, it? It's the your, chat room. Uh, yeah, it's your... Laura's getting a little... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it the yeah, public, it's your public one? one. Oh, okay, I was about to be like, oh, there. man. So that just to... about wraps up the show for this week. This show marks the end of MuggleCast Revision A. Starting with episode 31, we begin a new era in Muggle casting. And it's not going to be completely different. We're still going to have the same stuff. We're still going to be just as awesome, hilarious, and coolest people alive-ish. <laughs> I'm glad you added the ish. So, I'm going to start and end the segment this week. It's called the MuggleCast Heartwarming Email of the Week. This fr- comes from Christina... Bronco, 15 of Portugal. Subject, thank you, MuggleCast. By the way, guys, it's an uppercase C, not a lowercase C. <sighs> People these days. My name's Christina, 15 years old and from Portugal. Last Friday, I had a major accident on a go-kart that could have put me on a wheelchair, but thankfully, I'm getting a lot better and could walk for a little at a time now, with some pain, obviously. The reason I'm emailing you guys is to thank you for your company during my four days at the hospital. I had nothing to do, laying on a bed for hours and hours, but I had loads of MuggleCasts that I, had listen- that I hadn't listened to because of all the schoolwork on my iPod. So I listened, agreed, or disagreed at your theories, laughed at your jokes, forgot about my pains and worries for a while. I sincerely wish all the best for you guys and keep up the fabulous work. Aww. Isn't that nice? Aw, well we wish you the best. Hope you get better soon. Yeah, it's always great to hear the stories of how we're... I I hate to be like, we save people. Uh, just to keep people entertained when they're like Dr. low Phil. points. Cause, cause, yeah, oh my god, <laughs> people, people are always saying, oh thanks, you guys make my week with these shows. It just makes us feel good that we're... Influencing uh, your life. So everyone that does wrap up the show for this week, I'm Andrew Sims. I am Ben Shane. I'm Kevin Steck. <laughs> I'm Laura Thompson. And I'm Micah Tannenbaum. We'll see everyone next week for episode 31. Hey, MoCast. My name is Jason Lentz. I live in Istanbul, Turkey. I'd like to just give a shout out to everyone over here, and especially to a friend of mine named Paul Lee, who I think is obsessed with Emma, even more than Ben, who put pictures of her on his guitar and wrote, I love Emma all over it. But yeah, I just want to say I love your show. Started listening to it uh, a couple weeks ago. I think it's great. Keep up the good work. Yeah. Bye. Hi, cast people. This is Brock from Australia. I actually got through on the, the 1, 2, and 8, 20 magic line. I'm so excited. It took me so long. I had to call international calls and whew, 
You guys know the story. But it's so awesome. Go Muggercast! Yay! I'll leave you now. Bye-bye. Hi, my name is Kevin. I'm from Hawaii, and I'm six years old. Just to tell you, I love your podcast. My favorite caster is Kevin, because my name is Kevin, too. I love Harry Potter. i talk to you later. Bye. Hi guys, this is Danielle from California, and I just wanted to say, Ben, I found out from the Leaky Mug Mini that you like the show, The OC, and I'm sorry, but that's the dumbest show ever. And I live in Orange County, and it's nothing like that. I mean, I live 10 minutes from the beach, but that's probably the only thing that's the same. It's filmed in Malibu in, like, Canada, my friend told me, so it is nothing like what it is here. And, yeah, I just wanted to say... Don't watch it, please. Okay, bye. Hello, my name is Ibrahim Masadullah. I'm calling from Milton, Ontario. Um, I just like your shows, and I love Harry Potter. Um, I'd be really nice if um, you just uh, got my call on your next Harry Potter, on your next model class. Thank you, and bye-bye. Hi, this is Josie and Grace from London, England, and Grace is three years old, and I think she's your long, youngest listener, so this is what she got to say. Uh, hello, I'm called Grace, and I'm Grace, and I have Muggle Car. Yay! <laughs> Eric's like, let's play Seed It, let's play Seed It. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all like, no. <laughs> that was pretty and funny. Then, and then her, uh, him and the leaky mods went up. Who was it? Okay, who room. was it that went up to, uh, that came with me up to the other room? It's off topic, but it was me. We were down in, the, we're down in the. Yeah, you went, you went up there with me, and they were all like uptight and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, they yeah. seemed upset <laughs> that I wasn't completely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was I was like trying to crack a joke and like nobody laughed. Yeah, I like, that was like at what two a.m. Yeah, something. they were like we're leaving. I'm pretty sure we walked. Yeah, <laughs> uh, good times.